Welcome back to DevCast. Uh, this time I'm starting speaking here today. Usually it's Doug Koenig. He's on the call as well. Yeah, but... I'm here. I'm here. But uh, Yes, Magnus. you are. I'm starting talking though. Um, my name is Magnus Martinson and I co-host this, this uh, podcast, especially when we talk about exciting Azure stuff and cloudy stuff and architecture uh, together with, with uh, Doug Koenig, whose podcast this actually is. And uh, we also have with us, of course, a guest today. I mean, would be nice if you and I just had a chat someday. Hey, wait a minute, we've done that. <laughs> but but we have, of course, Sam with us today. How do you pronounce your last name properly in Belgian? In, in Dutch, it would be Van Houten. Van Houten. Van Houten. From the woods. Dutch. In Dutch, of course, Belgian. What? Exactly. Yeah, whatever. I keep doing that. You guys, um, down in, in Belgium, I was there just recently for a, an awesome little conference down there, a user group conference. That was great. The uh, Cloud Brew Conference. Uh, is I mean, it something with beer to do? Or oh, it... yeah. Well, there, there was beer. There okay. was beer. I mean, it was in Belgium, so there you go. Um, <laughs> but welcome, Sam. We want to start, of course, by uh, introducing you, asking who you are and what, what do you do for, for a living? Hello, guys. So thanks for having me. And uh... I'm Sam, Sam van Houten. I live in Belgium and I'm CTO at Codit. Um, actually, we do nothing but integration and using Microsoft only. Um, that means mostly Bistock services, um, you know, and most recently also the, the Azure-based um, integration um, components. Um, next to that, I'm, of course, uh, MVP for, um, let's say, my first year is um, ending. So I'm hoping to get uh, renewed next month. Um, and I'm also a VTSP. You might be familiar with that. That's you know working locally with the Microsoft um, teams to make sure that um, Azure and 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 Bistalk is you know evangelized and and positioned well at their uh, customers. Yeah, but that's what that's, I do mostly. Yeah. That's great. I mean, the, you and I actually have a lot of com you know, thing, things in common. We're both MVPs and we both work closely with Microsoft. So there. Exactly. Yeah, which is why we're probably on this podcast anyway. But Magnus, um, you you can't Bistalk. I, I don't. I, I really don't do BizTalk. No, no. So, so that's that's great that we have Sam here to talk. Not not about BizTalk though. We're not going to talk about that today. It's it's an interesting topic, I'm sure. But we have another topic today, the topic of microservices, which seems to be all the rage, basically. Um, tell us a little bit, uh, Sam. First, where did microservices start? How did that happen? What is it? Yeah. So um, we're not going to talk about BizTalk, but actually, that's where it started for me. Um, I see. I was recently, um, aka last week, um, in Redmond for the um, Integrate 2014. That's, let's say, the, the event that is, um, used to be the BizTalk Summit. Um, so there was quite a lot of people, I think two, 300 people um, worldwide uh, attending this, this conference, um, looking at the roadmap of BizTalk. And we've seen that BizTalk services um, is already generally available for, I think, a year and a half or something on Azure. Um, and we were expecting um, a roadmap on, let's say, what's new in the stock services. And what it actually came down, um, because we were looking mostly for the BPM, so workflow in the cloud. And that's not, that's not a pure BizTalk um, concept uh, on its own. It's something that, you know, people who are not familiar with BizTalk might have the need for as well, you know, looking at um, internal applications, building, um, um, you know, scaled out uh, web applications and so on, mm -hmm. you might have the need for workflow behind that scenes. I see. And 
what it um, started with was with an announcement that um, Microsoft, it's not a real announcement, it's more like, hey guys, we are um, using something that Microsoft is using internally on their Azure platform, and that's the uh, microservices architecture. So what was confusing for most people, including me, was that we believed that this was announced an announcement for a new Azure service or a new Azure product right. um, that we could build upon, but it's more of an architectural style and they will provide, let's say, some kind of implementation on top of that. And that's that's the, the, the biggest thing. So we will be able to write microservices. Microsoft Teams will be writing microservices and there is the underlying architecture, mostly using websites, Azure websites, that will be able to um, compose higher level um, applications, think about workflows, and you know communicate between all those um, microservices. Um, that's that's the architectural pattern there. Uh, Sam, uh, first, can 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 you more uh, describe to me what the microservice is? Yeah, um, it's let's say one of those new. It's not that new, but it's it's something that's very. Um, popular at, at, and controversial at the same time. It's um, the answer to the monolithic SOA um, type of applications that we've had, where you had big um, style you know, web services having uh, a lot of different um, tasks, let's say operations, all at the same time. And, and it's mostly Martin Fowler that you know, is the advocate of this microservices architectural style. And he describes it, and I will quote him, um, or I'll, I'll take some parts from, from his website. He says that it's um, an approach to develop a single application as a suite of small services. And if you then look at what a service is, actually every service will run in its own process and will communicate with other services or a gateway using HTTP um, resources, typically. And he says it's lightweight mechanisms. Right. Uh, how, how small is a service? For me, micro is a very, very small thing. Good call. Of course, I mean, it, it, it's all up to the, to the guy who implements it, but it, it, it's really a bare minimum of, of functionality. So think about um, get the weather style it might already be, um, you know, for, get a file, for example, get a file from a certain location. Well, that's really the, the only thing they want to have. And all the rest, you know, we used to have post file, get file, update file. Those would be typically three microservices now. And all of them would be in their own container. And the good thing is that you can scale every one of those containers independently. So it might be that you say, ah, in my workflows or in my um, composed applications, I have, for example, the need um, to be, yeah, to, to have more um, input files. But there I will scale my get file uh, microservice um, much more. I will assign more resources to it than the other one and so on. So it's really, it's on a micro level that you can um, scale your um, your services. And that's, that's also a very nice um, advantage there. Yeah, yeah, I totally, totally see that. So I was looking basically around for, like you, uh, like definition style sort of things. What is this? What is this thing? What are the... I was thinking about what are the key drivers that that are sort of pushing this this architectural style forward, and I uh, sort of has a lot to do with user expectations, really. That we now today 
um, expect to be able to use whatever uh, device to connect to whatever service and get the same service everywhere about everything uh, as users uh, broad, in a broad sense. Uh, everything should just work. Of course, we've always felt that, but now we have a gazillion devices to connect to the internet. Uh, but also, uh, when you look at the um, sort of the drivers on the uh, server side, is that you, you mentioned this, that stuff needs to be very scalable um, and very available. And also maybe uh, that you kind of tend to update these microservices individually and maybe do lots of... Yeah, so uh, deployment is indeed a very interesting topic. And, and what's very nice there to see is that they are using the uh, Azure Resource Manager as, you know, that's the, the main thing to deploy. So they have the same concept for JSON templating and all of that. And indeed, if you just want to update one of your microservices, well, you can go ahead. So, so as long as you keep, let's say, the the version contract uh, intact, it's a fully independent, upgradable, and that's that's uh, one of the the major um, interesting topics for uh, microservices. Right. Um, I mean, it, yeah. it's it's a it's a very nice um, sort of style. We've all seen the big deployment things. If we go back for a bit, uh, the uh, at the start of of Azure, we had to deploy which basically took about a half an hour to deploy an application, right? Because it was slow back then. Now it's much, much faster. Of course, there are other ways to deploy applications, but then it was slow. Uh, my question is, do you think that has, I mean, has the cloud sort of, um, is, is, is the cloud the cost of microservices or is uh, microservices uh, causing the cloud? Or, you know, which direction do we, are we going here to approach this thing? Is, is a cloud, do you have to have the public cloud to have microservices? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, we know that, for example, Netflix is one of the most known um, microservices um, companies, but it's something that, that, I mean, a lot of customers, enterprises have been suffering with an SOA because it was uh, too big bang, too monolithic. Um, and some of those customers were already looking at um, microservices, even when they didn't call it microservices back in the days. Um, but of course, the cloud is definitely helping there, as you can have um, yeah, the microservice can be written in any language in different com containers. It can be um, hosted in various things. So think about a workflow that you build where you, um, and that's one of the examples they gave last week, where you would monitor Twitter for a specific keyword, for example, your company brand. Right. That would be one microservice. And then you get some events in. Those events could be given to another microservice, for example, Alchemy, that is doing some Twitter sentiment analysis. Um, and based on that, you can use a third-party thing, for example, SendGrid, microservice that sends an email. And the good thing is that you don't have to write all those microservices yourself. Um, they are really looking into empowering partners and, and companies and ISVs to provide microservices through the gallery. And, and SendGrid is one example, but I can think about so many different examples um, to be written or maybe already available where you can just yeah, go and use existing third-party um, APIs, uh, microservices, hook them into your own applications. Uh, and just start using them. So it's really a, a composing applications in a very fast and, and, and um, scalable way, in my opinion. Th th that's great, Sam. But what's what's new here? Because uh, SendGrid we have had for one year in Azure or, or longer. And mm -hmm. so what 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 what's the what, what was the new thing last week? 
what is the architectural pattern? What, what's the new thing here? Well, as I said, there's an, uh, an underlying architecture. Let's call it a microservice gateway. And, and that's doing a lot of things out of the box. So you have API management, you have out of the box name resolution, you, you have some isolated storage and logging and identity and access control. All these things are available outside, out of the box, you know. Yeah. Is, this, is this a project? Is it a, just an example project you download and incorporate in your service? Or is it a feature in Azure? Or what is it? That's not clear because it's, um, it's brand new. But it looks like you will be able to publish your microservices to, um, uh, as you can deploy something to a website, you will be able to deploy something as a microservice. And that way it will pop up in your um, gallery and you will be able to compose your applications just in the web browser without using Visual Studio. And if you're familiar with things like, for example, IFTT, and IFTT means if this, then that. Yeah. That's a service where you can just say, if someone puts a tweet on my, um, you know, on my timeline, then I will do, for example, um, a write to this email or whatever. And that's, you know, logic, you can logical apps you can build without using any code. So you will have a lot of out of the box microservices and you will be able to compose them into your own, you know, business logic. And that's very interesting. It, it will, instead of writing a lot of development, it will result in more um, configurations um, where you just drag and drop your um, composite applications. So, so we will have some kind of workflow uh, editor in in in, uh, in the browser uh, hosted in Azure or something like that. Yeah. So um, and again, this is the very early preview version. But what we've seen is indeed that you can um, create a workflow where you just um, it, it always has to start with a trigger, and a trigger could be, for example, uh, a manual thing, or it could be an HTTP post, so that someone has to uh, invoke that thing, or it could be triggered by, um, for example. An event, an event where you say oh, a new tweet has um, has been published with this keyword or whatever, right? Right. And based on that, you can then drag and drop from the gallery. Think about a um, Visual Studio toolbox, but it's in the browser. You can drag and drop those microservices uh, from your gallery, your private gallery or the public marketplace gallery. You can drag and drop them and drag lines. You can say, okay, if this happens, then the gateway should um, take these types of data from the incoming uh, microservice and give it to the next one. And you can have some, you know, conditional um, logic and things like that. So that's, yeah, it, it really looks uh, promising. Um, but know that things are um, early stage at this point. So there's um, definitely, you know, we have to wait for more documentation and things like that to come. Um, and much more will be clear in the um, um, preview that is expected. Um, Right. So we don't have anything we can play around with right now. We can just read about it. That's it. Um, it was the announcement. Um, playing with it um, looks to be Q1 next year, so calendar year. Um, so that could be as late as um, end of March. Okay. Uh, but I think it's an, an interesting thing to have a look at. And also if you would start building applications that have a lot of composite logic and a lot of need for that, then you could already have a look at um, the blog posts that will definitely come up um, in the coming um, days and have a look at, you know, 
how do you have to prepare yourself for the microservices patterns? Um, what is typically an, an API that you have to write? What are the things you have to take um, care of and so on? Um, so that definitely makes already sense to, to have that in mind. So that's that's interesting. This is all very interesting because it's early days and and uh, very exciting times for for sort of a, um, more more to get this uh, like you said the concept of microservices. It's not really new, is it? Uh, but but to get sort of something which is more tangible, maybe that can help you help you in the future to build stuff and compose stuff. What I'm concerned with, not concerned with, but one obvious concern or one question here would be how about when you compose stuff from lots of different services, there are many sources or many reasons that that thing can actually just break apart because one service isn't, isn't responding the way it should be at, at a given time. Yeah. Um, that, that's, there's something to be said, I guess, about the um, uh, you know, SLAs or the availability of these services. I mean, your, your, your composed service sounds like there can be a risk that it might be um, you know, easily easily failing yeah exactly and that, that, that's something that i have been thinking about indeed and and i had discussion last week with with a few guys from uh, microsoft where i indeed said okay we for example we called it we are an, an, an csv cloud service vendor and i mm. can definitely think about a lot of um our existing ip that we could provide as a microservice but that has to be going through the gallery and indeed it's important to I said, I want to have there a high level of quality control, um, even more than you would have with, a, let's say, a phone marketplace, because people might start building applications um, that are yeah, necessary for, for enterprise level um, um, processes. And there it's important indeed to have some kind of SLA to have a good quality control before things get deployed into your um, public gallery and so on. And it's too early at this point to say, okay, that's definitely the way it will be. Um, that's not clear um, at this point for um, community at least um, on yeah, what will be the level of improvement for um, yeah, the public mm. gallery. But know that you have this thing at, at this point already. You, ha you have the market store and, and you have the plugins and so on that you can use from third-party vendors. SendGrid was one of them, for example. Um, so as, I think they will be using a similar um, uh, approach there. But I'm thinking more, I think that Magnus is asking about wh when a server is down, is it some uh, thing, not some circuit breaker pattern or something like that? So so the workflow will, will go, will uh, uh, compensate for, for that the service is down or something like that. Yeah, so exception handling is definitely an important thing. So even indeed, if, if the quality of those services is good, but for whatever the reason, there's an exception in one of those services or one of those services is unavailable, it's up to the microservice gateway that is hosting your um, workflows and your, your applications. It's up right. to that gateway to um, handle those exceptions. Yeah. Things Me. like retries, things like um, notifications, things like yeah, exception routing and all of that is definitely yeah. things that will be um, coming in that microservice gateway. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's a lot of... of um... Of plumbing, you would have to build your own if and stand up on your own if you would want to build something like that for yourself, because yeah. you would need to, you would need to be able to uh, maintain state and make retries and give notifications and all those things. And I suppose, in a way, if that and, for instance, authentication and, and authorization are things that can be we can get help with 
to be handled by somebody else, we can, I suppose in a, in a theoretical sense, we can start to look at, we'll just build and supply and compose microservices. Uh, I suppose, is that the way to think about this? Yeah, really. I mean, the only thing you have to look for when you deploy a microservice is really the thing you want to do, the, the business logic that you want to write in that service. If you want to send an email, that's the only thing you have to care for. You don't have to know which microservices will be calling you or which microservices that you would have to call. No, it's just that one specific piece of logic that you have to write. All the rest, and, and of course you have to, to, to handle your own exceptions and to, to look at, at those things, but all the rest, um, as you say, exception management, retries, um, storage, um, configuration logic, that's all the things that you will get um, out of the box with the microservice gateway. And that's really the, the vehicle where you deploy your, your microservices in. Uh, logging, access control, name resolution, all these things are uh, foreseen there. And that's that's the, the big added value in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, have cool. a bit, I have a bit concerned about performance. If you have, uh, for example, 20 microservices you need to do HTTP calls to, to to get your business flow to work, will it, it be hurting the performance? Yeah, that was one of my concerns. So I wrote a blog post and I will send you the, um, the link so that you can add it to the um, article. But um, one of the concerns was indeed latency. Um, in fact, they will deploy the microservices on um, the Azure Websites engine, and the gateway itself is doing um, HTTP, you know, between all those microservices. So they call one microservice over HTTP and get it back, and that data is flowing to the next one, and so on. So that's definitely a concern I had. But one of the the things that we got as feedback is that um, if you deploy your composite application and the microservices are even deployed in your own um, runtime, it's up to you to um, to group them together, for example. You can say, I will have them all into the same um, machines. Like, it's with Azure Websites. You can say, all these Azure Websites I have, they will belong and will be deployed in the same um, Azure machine, right? And that's that's a similar thing you can have. So that's the feedback that we got. But uh, still, I'm, I'm very eager myself to to have a look at um, performance and latency. Um, if you have, let's say, in 10 microservices and you have that called, I mean, throughput um, should be okay, but it's really the one call latency that's, that's um, yeah, the end-to-end yeah. -end latency for one call might be um, too high. And that's something I, I'm, I'm definitely willing to test um, as soon as possible. Yeah, it's, it's something interesting to look forward to because the, this, as you said, is very early. We don't know yet, but but it seems to be a space where Lots of interesting, potentially lots of interesting things can happen if you if you if you had that nice theory of a of a, an architecture that supported this. Uh, you got you got help with stuff. Then you know you might be able to to use that to build some interesting stuff in the future. That's going to mm -hmm. be interesting to see. But you also you also hinted towards this, uh, and and I'd like to bring us back to that point. You're talking about basically you were, you were excited from from your company's perspective from Codit and and so on to to be able to start looking closer at this. What are the sort of that's I'm, I mean it always comes back to that right. This is Microsoft, so it comes back to what are the sort of partnering opportunities here and and you know and at the end of the day somebody's gonna I suppose make some money off of this. What what is it that you could do as a partner I guess in the future with this? Yeah, so the, the the biggest thing, in my opinion, is as I said, it's it's leveraging the the um, the Microsoft Azure services or um, you know the the, the marketplace, eh? um, and and if you can have your specific thing, if 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 you have some IP that you have built, 
um, and you can make that show up into the um, gallery so that other people can just drag and drop it um, into their own composite applications. But that's definitely a, a, a very interesting um, opportunity. What's not clear at this point again is, yeah, how is the billing model going? Can you as a partner um, get, you know, uh, money from that? And how is it? Is it by call and so on? So these things right. have to be cleared out. And, and it's definitely from a consumer point of view also important. If I'm an enterprise and I'm using, let's say, five different um, microservices from different um, third-party vendors, and they all are built in in a different way. That's not something I want. So, I, I believe and I hope that the Azure platform will abstract all of that away, so that you can get built um, to Azure, and that Azure is doing, let's say, the um, the monetization to, towards the partner ecosystem. Then, yeah, uh, just as they do it today, I believe with their marketplace. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, it would be impossible to handle otherwise. These uh, have have a bunch of different bills going in different directions for small amounts. That's exactly. not that's yeah. not usable. Okay, interesting. I guess maybe I don't know. Do you have any other additional questions, Doug? Yeah, when I have a Sam online, I really want to ask him about the data factory. Is that uh, something that you? know anything about because it it's, it's, feels a bit like a similar product of yeah, so in Azure. Yeah, actually last week was the first time I looked into um, Data Factory um, and if you look at, at um, current technologies, you have for example, um, BizTalk for your EAI and B2B integrations and you have SSIS with SQL for what we call ETL, so Extract, Transform and Load. It's typically batch processing of um, large parts of data. And if you then make the analogy towards the new platform in the cloud, I would say that BizTalk might be the microservices thing, where you have um, smaller, uh, a high density of smaller um, executions, so much more executions at the same time, where the data factory seems to be more of the new SSIS thing, where you can um, really look into moving big parts of data from one place to another and doing basic um, yeah, transformation and validation and, and filtering capabilities um, on the way. Um, it would definitely make sense, and, and maybe it is, I'm, that's not clear for me yet, that the um, data factory thing would be running on microservices um, to a certain level, although I'm not sure if they would be able to handle those um, large messages that are typically uh, involved in these batch processing um, things. Mm -hmm. uh, that makes sense for you? Yeah, this was a great clarification for me. Yes, thank you. Okay. Great. So I guess maybe we should start rounding off this nice interview. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to thank you for being with us today. It was uh, very interesting to get sort of the, I suppose, almost the earliest possible in, in sort of preview into this because none of us, none of Dog or I or people who, who are listening were at the conference you were at last week. So we haven't, mm -hmm. we haven't heard about this publicly before. Um, you and I have internally, but that's a different story. Yeah. But, but this is the public uh, sort of uh, first announcement or first showing of this architectural style, should we call it that? Yeah. which hopefully will get some nice um, some nice uh, enablement on the Azure platform for people to to write and consume and compose these microservices in the future. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about it. I see a lot of opportunities, yeah. also quite a lot of challenges, um, but that's always the case with a, a first iteration of um, technology, right? Yeah, yeah. 
It is. Cool. Um, well, I guess that's it then. Thank you for being with us today. It was nice talking to you, Sam. Yep. Thanks for having me. It was, my, it was a pleasure.